Hello, everyone. My name is John Atchison. I'm the president of Arco Design Build Houston and Salt Lake City Divisions. We are a national design build general contractor that focuses on industrial manufacturing and, of course, our topic today, cold storage. We started back in 1995 and since then have grown to 27 offices throughout the U.S., covering every major market. Today, I'm sitting down with a veteran in the industry, Mr. David Sowers with CBRE. David, would you take a second and introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, John. My name is David Sowers with CBRE. I am one of the leaders of our food facilities group nationwide, and CBRE is the world's largest real estate firm. And within the food facilities group, we handle the unique needs of the food occupier and also the, food, the owner of food buildings. So anybody that has buildings that are food manufacturing, food distribution, cold storage, and either owns or occupies... That's the line within industrial that we serve, and we've done it nationally for many, many years. And I'm glad to be here with you today, John, and we'll talk about a little bit of cold storage. Absolutely, David. It's always a pleasure to, to you know, sit down and talk with you, a friend and colleague, and, and again, a veteran of the industry, and, and hear about what's going on in cold storage and, and kind of the real estate side of things. So first things first, David, could you take a minute and, you know, what is cold storage kind of defined as, as from the real estate side, and, and how do you define cold storage? Yeah, great question. It's it's a hot topic recently. What you hear on a regular basis now with calls talking about industrial real estate as an asset class is the cold storage segment being white hot. So what does cold storage mean? Well, Traditionally, cold storage is the part within the cold chain where goods are kept at freezer or cooler temperatures from farm to table and everything in between, import, export. It's the warehouse where those goods are stored in a temperature-controlled environment. But from a real estate perspective, it can really be broader than that. And I think most people that are looking at the asset class or occupiers of it are considering cold storage really to be any buildings that have an element of refrigeration in them, or at least a significant element. So food manufacturing, food distribution, cold storage, that's going to encompass more than just the public refrigerated warehousers and finished goods freezers for manufacturers. It's going to include grocery, food service, broadline, produce, meal kit companies, all sorts of different companies that use warehouses that are part of the cold chain somewhere between farm and table. Absolutely. That's a great way to define it, David. You know, I always have a phrase that I like to say, you know, being on the the design construction side is that, you know, we build the buildings that put food on America's table. And really that's, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, it's such a really cool industry to be a part of. I'm super proud to be, you know, part of that, that chain and, and, you know, it's, uh, it's always interesting and evolving and, and glad we're able to sit down and talk about it. Likewise. So what type of projects are you seeing nowadays? Their really business has um, been changed fundamentally with COVID just in the way that we serve our clients. What are you seeing? What type of projects are people coming to you with? What are your clients telling you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it has changed quite a bit. I, I would say we see a lot of the manufacturing and distribution side. Uh, some of some process here and there, but but mainly from the manufacturing distribution. Um, you know, 
a lot of projects have multiple facets and multiple different uh, you know, details within each one. Uh, so it's really, for us, it's really about understanding our customer's business and how we can adapt and, and what their goals are. Uh, you know, working within budgets, uh, growth strategies, uh, understanding and, and trying to help out with their supply chain. Um, you know, the technology is ever changing, so we're, we're helping to adapt to, to you know, forward thinking and what that looks like. Um, so it, it's a little bit different here and there, um, and, and COVID has, has definitely changed things. Um, you know, as we look and talk about COVID, obviously in 2020, the pandemic has, has made an impact uh, to the supply chain. You know, what are the changes that you've seen in your business and really your clients' business over the past, you know, six or seven months as we've been through, uh, been through COVID? It's it's been interesting and challenging, but the majority of our clients have just really had to press through. And there's a lot of different things that they faced with employees and supply chain disruption. But the bottom line is that. During the pandemic, people have changed the way that they acquire food. So you've had uh, buy online, pick up at, at the store, grocery. You've had online delivery. You've seen a shift from institutional food that have food that was packaged and made to go to convention centers, sports arenas, large scale events that ended up sitting in the freezers, the, the large refrigerated warehouses, because the, the demand wasn't there and everything just kind of stopped. But at the same time, the retail supply, things that were packaged, food that was packaged for retail, was immediately consumed over a short period of time, and people were stocking up, and you saw shelves that were bare. So the food manufacturers, a lot of them had the ability to do so, where they could switched from institutional packaging to retail. And then we did see a major shift there as other restaurants, fast food chains started to pick up. It's just an overall shift. And that really changed the way that companies use the freezer and cooler space or the third parties that handle uh, cold storage for, for the end user really had to adjust on the fly. So we did see requirements that were looking for short-term freezer and cooler space as they determined how long do we need additional capacity in order to weather the storm? How much bulk do we need to build up in reserve to be able to keep the shelves full in case the pandemic gets worse or it takes a long time? But a lot of that adjustment has started to find its way through as we start to think about getting back to normal. Not that we're quite there yet, but... I think consumer uh, preferences for the way that they shop and the way that they're going to feed themselves and their families is still in an iterative process. I don't know that all the chips have totally fallen yet to understand, uh, is everyone going to be, that started ordering online groceries, are they still going to want to do that or do they still want to go to the store and, and thump their own melons and feel the produce and kind of get the sensory that goes along with it. Um, a lot of that is still up in the air, so time will tell. But I think that's uh, a ripple in the supply chain that is uh, still developing, and, and we'll find our way through it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, we've seen quite a bit of changes as well. You know, 
in the beginning of all this back in March, you know, we, we did see some, some hesitancy in the market on new projects and, and existing projects that were about to be under construction. Uh, some people were bullish, some people were bearish, I think, for the most part. Uh, you know, we saw projects continue. Uh, but as you said, the supply chain really did change from, you know, real retailers and, and people that supply grocery stores compared to people that supply restaurants. Uh, so there were a lot of pivots, you know, cold storage has been resilient throughout this and uh, we're looking forward to, you know, there's a lot of projects that are going on right now and, and moving on into 2021. So I, I think you're right. I think, you know, we're, we're not all the way through this. It will continue to evolve and change. Um, but we're excited, you know, we've got a lot of projects that are, that are pedaled to the floor right now. Um, and, and we're going to continue to adapt to, to help our clients as, as we kind of get all through this. So, John, in both of our recent responses here, we both mentioned supply chain and technology. We've obviously seen supply chain go through great advances in the last 10 years, and sophisticated real estate decisions have been based on the supply chain. I'd say that was a little bit more for dry warehousing and that the cold chain has been just a little bit behind that. Not for the most sophisticated users, but maybe for the mid-tier and the smaller. What are you seeing in terms of customers talking to you about the technology that's going to go in the buildings and the building or additional square footage use for their supply chain? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been interesting over the past 10 years where we have seen changes in the industry from, from the construction side and really the equipment and racking side as well. So, you know, one of the biggest changes is, is we've seen different types of refrigeration, you know, commercial Freon units come out, uh, which has provided a lot more flexibility. Uh, I think we'll continue to see that. And I think, I think looking forward, cold storage, you know, flexibility is going to be really key. Um, another big change that we've seen is the heights. The heights of these buildings are, are getting taller. Uh, you know, we've recently been approved on a, on a new Tyco coil system to go to a 55-foot deck height, which is a 50-foot top of product. Uh, I personally don't want to be operating one of those forklifts, but, you know, they, they do get that done. Uh, so we, we've seen that kind of changes. You know, we'll see more automated systems. Uh, over in Europe, they've got quite of these, and, and we're starting to adapt them more as well. But, you know, ASRS is, is becoming bigger, uh, as long as you can, uh, you know, afford the upfront capital and if you're doing a lot of turns in a warehouse. Uh, so uh, those are the biggest changes I've seen. I, I, again, I do think that flexibility is going to be key, especially when we're talking pandemics and, and, you know, use is changing and people are looking for space. So the, the technology that figures that out makes, you know, you know, just like an industrial building, a distribution building could be used for multi-purposes. Well, you know, obviously with refrigeration and cold storage, it, it, you're limited to, to, you know, what the product load is and or what the temperatures is. So, so those are going to be the big changes I see. And, and, you know, kind of on that note, David, you know, flexibility and cold storage, you know, over the past, you know, really 12 months, we've seen a big you know, uptick in the discussions about, you know, speculative space and cold storage. You know, it's normal in, in the industrial distribution world, but kind of new to, you know, the cold storage world. What what uh, what have you seen and what is your, you know, business kind of looking like right now surrounding the talk of, of spec cold storage? Yeah, we, we've completed one project and have a couple others in the works right now. I will tell you that the amount of interest 
from developers and other investors or maybe developers that were in something other than industrial and they see the allure of cold storage and want to get in and, and build spec freezer cooler building. It is a topic that has just endless interest right now. So I think the word is that um, caution is probably the word. There needs to be some additional product uh, put on the ground, certainly across the United States. A lot of the freezer and cooler space is there's a lot of older space that's 20 or 24 or 30 foot clear that when we're now talking about ceiling heights of 50, just really lets you maximize the cube and gets you more efficient refrigeration systems as well. And part of that's going to vary by what sort of system does that end user want to run and what part of the country are you in because some systems are more efficient in different parts of the country than others. Um, so we're seeing discussion around that. and. Having something spec is really lets you meet the market where the mid-sized companies have really needed space and needed to be able to react within 12 months. Um, when we're seeing some of the other technology that's factored in, you mentioned ASRS systems. We've had users talking to us about uh, being able to accommodate movable rack and other sorts of pick systems and conveyor um, that, that is all very cutting edge. You certainly need to have a lot of time uh, to develop that. And in some of those cases, you're building the building around the technology rather than putting the technology in the building. And so it's really a longer decision-making process and more capital intensive, but it really requires that planning. Uh, on the spec side, I think it makes sense in several markets for spec freezer and cooler buildings, but you really need to understand the market that you're looking at know who else is looking at putting spec in that market, understanding what the user demand is. Is it something that's local, regional? Um, are, are the requests for these pallets going to come in from outside of the market, outside of the state? A lot of times that they do. Uh, those deals are ones that might look regionally. So you need to have a building that can match what the historical and hopefully future demand is for freezer and cooler within a given market. And realizing that the buildings are three to four times as costly to build as a dry warehouse, that is a uh, speculative bet that you don't want to be guessing on. Uh, you want to have a very, very good feel and solid underwriting if you're going to move in that direction. But there is some going on right now across the U.S. in a few markets. Uh, there's talk about more, but we'll see how that develops over time. Uh, how much are you guys being asked to weigh in on spec freezer and cooler? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. You know, we've actually been been working in the industry now for, you know, over, like I said, tw over 25 years. So we've been, you know, looking and kind of developing ideas about how to do this and, and be as flexible as possible uh, over that period of time. Now, in the past 12 months, it's been a huge shift. Uh, you know, capital has, has kind of peaked its eyes into the cold storage market and and developers are getting, you know, more and more interested. So we've had a tremendous amount of interest, um, not only from, you know, the capital side, but also, you know, tr traditional developers that are doing, you know, big box distribution are now looking in this space as well. So our phones are, are literally ringing off the hook with, you know, a lot of people calling, trying to get involved and interested. Uh, it's very interesting, you know, to say the least, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult concept uh, as opposed to just a distribution world. Uh, so I, I think some people are going to get it right. I think some people will get hurt in this space. 
Um, you know, it's all about having the right team in place and, you know, really having the experience and the understanding of what needs to go in these buildings and, and how to go about it and how to angle yourself properly to, uh, to really go to the masses. Yeah. You, you mentioned on the investment side, I, I would tell you that in terms of cold storage in general, the capital markets uh, have started to appreciate food buildings within the asset class of industrial in the last four or five years, and it's been accelerated tremendously in 2020 with the pandemic. Um, as some other asset classes have maybe become a little bit unstable, um, you look around and I think the flight previously, maybe 10 years ago, might have been making an adjustment for acquisition criteria from class A to uh, looking at class B product and then also to value add product. But cold storage as a segment really is a new silo. I mean, it's been around, but it hasn't been one that uh, money has been willing to go after because it's difficult to underwrite and difficult to understand. But it's become more in the spotlight in the last few years, and people have seen successful cold storage projects. Um, even food manufacturing companies with uh, investment sales that are buildings leased to food manufacturing and food distribution companies, we've seen uh, tremendous cap rate compression and interest in that uh, segment and uh, on the sale leaseback side as well. So there are many more companies taking a hard look and finding how to underwrite uh, those type of assets. So it's causing growth in that sector as an investment. Yeah, David, that makes sense. And I appreciate, you know, giving us kind of the insight into what the capital markets are seeing and, and how, you know, the real estate side of things are going. Well, you know, David, just to wrap this up, you know, again, thank you so much for the time sitting down. It's always great to have a discussion with you, hear about what's going on on the real estate side of things and, and definitely in the cold storage. Um, it, it's always a pleasure. And just thank you so much for joining. Thank you, John. I know that we're both busy these days with cold storage being as hot as it is. And uh, it's really great to be able to speak with you and hear what you guys are up to and how you guys see the market from the construction side of things uh, versus the brokerage and the capital markets and the transaction side. Uh, the common thread is that the cold chain and the, and the supply chain element there and the technology that these companies uh, that are involved in food manufacturing, food distribution, and cold storage have come a long way in the last not only six months, but last few years, and it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. And I'll uh, look forward to hopefully working projects with you down the road. That's exactly right, David. Well, again, appreciate it, and uh, hope you have a wonderful afternoon.